Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Marilyn Cowan, and I'm an elder here at Church of the Palms. I serve in our, this congregation. Christ is risen. Let us rejoice and be glad as we prepare for worship. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Maker of all things, ruler of all peoples of the earth, we bring our prayers of thanksgiving and praise. You have provided the water of life of our baptism. You have fed us with the fruits of the earth and nourished us through your word. Meet us again in the joyous encounter of worship, lest we forget the source of all we have and all that we are. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Let us sing to the Lord. Let us stand. <laughs> Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us worship God. The scriptures urge us to acknowledge our sins and not to conceal them in the presence of God. Confess them with a penitent and obedient heart, removing the barriers that keep us from forgiveness and mercy. Let us now confess all that separates us from God and from each other as we pray the prayer of confession. Almighty God, we have wandered far from your love we have neglected your word in the torrent of words that we hear and read every day. Our hearts are troubled amid the conflicts and violence of our world. Sometimes we find it easier to withdraw from everything 
to resist change, lest it require more of us. We know you are reaching out to heal us, help us to respond. We know we are surrounded by your love. Let us feel it deep within that we may reflect that love to all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to the good news. Though we know what is good and often do what is not, God frees us from our guilt so that we might be renewed to accept our potential as the part of his plan for our lives. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. now join in that great creed, the Apostles' Creed, as we share together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this beautiful day, let's share together in Christian fellowship and greet one another. Good morning. Good morning. 
Welcome to worship this morning here at Church of the Palms. We are so grateful to be greeted by a beautiful day, and hopefully you were greeted by a beautiful community of people that welcomed you into this place, and especially if you happen to be new to us, we hope that you will find this to be a place of warmth and welcome, and we encourage you to fill out the friendship paths which are passing by you, hopefully as I speak. And as you are receiving those and signing your name, we would love for you to give us information about how we can be best in touch with you. And also perhaps you might want to note the names of those who are sitting near you and hopefully enjoy a conversation after the service in the midst of the beauty of this day under the shadow of our big oak tree out there in the middle of our courtyard. We are uh, grateful uh, to be a church that seeks to do all we can to reach out to those who are in need and we'll have those opportunities in the weeks to come. Underneath that tree, you'll have a chance to uh, learn more about uh, a couple of very important missions in our church. We will, in a week or so, be hosts to several families who are without a home and they will be using Church of the Palms as their home for the course of a week. Family Promise is the ministry, and you will note uh, folks who are underneath the tree eager to tell you a little bit more about that, but that begins a week from today. And uh, you can participate in all sorts of ways uh, by volunteering and providing uh, some type of hospitality for them as they're here. So learn more about that. Day of Hope, we learned about that last week, some. And uh, that's upcoming in July, July the 23rd. And we are taking volunteers and we will be soon receiving gifts to support that ministry of reaching out to the families of 250 children who are uh, struggling and will need our assistance to help get prepared for school in uh, August. So we hope that you'll seek out those folks who are there as well. Vacation Bible School is another opportunity for you to give to our community. We have lots of folks from our community to join us. Uh, to learn over the course of the week, children, and uh, that's upcoming in June, and if you would note those, uh, that information in the bulletin as well as on our website, perhaps you would like to help us out with that as well. And all this information will be available for you in the Connect magazine that you can take on your way out the door today, and we would love for you to grab one of those and uh, note those things that are happening in our life. This afternoon, I'll have the chance to represent Church of the Palms at the uh, celebration of the ministry of Rabbi Jeff Hunting, who has uh, been a great partner with us and with whom we have shared many Thanksgiving Eve services. Jeff is retiring uh, this year, and uh, we will be having a celebration over at Temple Sinai, so keep uh, that good congregation in your prayers. We would like to invite our newly trained Stephen ministers and leaders to come forward to be recognized by our church. Come on up. If you turn to page seven of your bulletin, you will see the names of these good people who are uh, being uh, welcomed into this ministry. Come on up the stairs and take a look out at that beautiful congregation. <clears throat> These good people have been through 50 hours of training. When was the last time you went through 50 hours of training? But these people have uh, given over that part of their lives to be, oh, move over a little bit, you know, just, you're a little bit off kilter here. We gotta train you on how to stand before the congregation. Um, but uh, these uh, good people have uh, been about a very, very uh, thorough training in which to learn about how to be Stephen Ministers. Stephen Ministry is a very important part of our 
church's life. This is a ministry through which these people come alongside of those who are going through a difficult season of life, and who here has not gone through a difficult season of life? And uh, how eager we were to have someone to walk alongside of us who was not there to give us advice and not there to tell us to buck up and not there to uh, you know, tell us uh, where they, what we need to do, but was there simply to be uh, the presence of God, reaching out with the hand of God to those who are struggling to know that we are in the presence of God, in the presence of those who are trained to walk alongside of us. So we're grateful to have all of you who have uh, gone through this training to uh, be those fellow uh, pilgrims with those who are struggling, knowing that uh, you are not the cure givers, you are the caregivers, and that God is most certainly the cure giver through our presence with those uh, who are struggling. So we're grateful that they are responded to this call. We are even more grateful when you as um, members of our church and even those who are not members of our church uh, make yourselves available for their care and we would uh, be grateful for you to uh, reach out to them if you are in need of someone to walk alongside of you for that is really what the body of Christ is all about. So thank you for your response to this uh, ministry and to this calling. We have 47 Stephen ministers and we have uh, 10 Stephen leaders. That makes 57 people who are about this important ministry. So don't be a, uh, afraid we don't have enough people. <laughs> um, we do and we're grateful that we can uh, come alongside of you as you uh, are in time of need. So to that end, allow me to pray this prayer of commissioning to you. Lord, we thank you for your work in our lives. We thank you for your walk in our lives. And we are grateful, O oh Lord, that you put into our lives those people who become the vessel of your Holy Spirit, the, the sign of your presence, the vehicle of your love. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for these good folks who have gone through this training and who have been about the rigorous work of trying to understand how they can be that a sympathetic, empathetic ear, how they can listen, how they can be uh, the representation of the body of Christ to those who are struggling. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will uh, fill them with your Holy Spirit and that you will remind them of your call upon their lives. That you will remind them as well that they are not the cure giver, but the caregiver. And that through them, you will be at work, trusting that your love through them will be that which heals. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you will bless them and keep them, make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Give them your peace, that that peace may be shared with those with whom they walk. All this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you welcome them with your applause? Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Many hands have touched these offering plates, O Lord, some calloused and rough, others soft and tender, some large, others small. We bring before you the work of these hands. In such giving, we seek to be your hands, your body, your church. Bless, O Lord, the work of our hands toward your greater work. We pray in the name of the one who, with two hands such as ours, broke and shared the bread of life. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children and Lori to come forward for the children's moment. Good morning. Maddie, you just got beat. I saw it, the guy in the purple. He got you by a nose. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? That's a big bucket you have there. Look at my bucket. So I got up very early this morning, and I started to make my very favorite cookies. I'm going to see if you can guess what kind they are. Can you see them? <gasps> we don't need that piece. Can you, I'm going to give you a clue. Mm. Like, did your mom not let you do that? My mom didn't let me either, but I don't live with her anymore, so I can eat all the cookie dough I want. <laughs> so like vanilla, sugar, butter. Mm. I think there's some flour, baking soda, salt. So you know what kind of cookies these are? Do you have an idea? Any guess at all? Maddie, what do you think? Sugar cookies. That is an excellent guess. Wrong. All right. Oh, you're so nice. I don't even, what do you think? What do you think these are? Chocolate. Do you see some chocolate in there? Mmm, you're close though. All right, what do you think? Peanut butter. That is such a great guess. Wrong. Okay. I, Anna. Do you know what kind of cookies these are? Cookie dough. Cookie dough cookies, like the kind you have in the ice cream. No. So here's what they are. Allie, what do you think? I know. You know? Chocolate you think? chip cookies. Oh my gosh, she just said chocolate chip cookies. You're like stealing my line. Yes, they're chocolate chip cookies, but I didn't have any chocolate chips. Can you believe it? How can you have chocolate chip cookies? I'm missing the main ingredient. Well, guess what? That ties into our Bible story today because Paul is writing this letter to the early Christians in Corinth. He could have been writing it to us, the Christians here at Church of the Palms, and he talks about the main ingredient for Christians. So I asked if Miss Carol would read just three verses, so I want you to listen and see if you can pick out what that main ingredient is. Suppose I speak in the languages of human beings and of angels. If I don't have love, I am only a loud gong or a noisy cymbal. Suppose I have the gift of prophecy. Suppose I can understand all the secret things of God and know everything about him. And suppose I have enough faith to move mountains. If I do not have love, I am nothing at all. Suppose I give everything I have to the poor. And suppose I give my body to be burned. If I don't have love, I get nothing at all. Did you get it? Did you get the main ingredient? Anna, what was it? It's love. 
It's love. So it doesn't matter how many times you go to Sunday school. It doesn't matter how many times you might give a granola bar to a homeless person. It doesn't matter if you volunteer for Day of Hope or for Family Promise. If you don't have love, you are not being the person that Christ has made us to be. It's not easy. Trust me, it's not easy. Paul even goes on a little bit longer and says, love is kind, love is patient, love is forgiving, all those really hard things. Well, guess what? You're in the right place because it's in this place that we learn about love. It's in this place where we practice love with each other and then we take it with us and we go out there and we share it with everyone. All right. Main ingredient for chocolate chip cookies? Chocolate chips. Main ingredient for Christians? Love. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for loving us so, so much. Lord, we ask that you fill us up and help us, Lord, to love just like you. Amen. So our lesson does come from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of God. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all of my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, 
and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your love, through your grace, we pray that we would hear this old word in a new way and that we may live out this old way in a new way. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. There was a test my fourth grade teacher gave our class that I will never forget. I suspect it is a test that some of us have taken at some point along the way. It wasn't that hard of a test, and we wondered while we were taking it why she was giving it to us. It had some math questions, some spelling questions, some vocabulary questions, and I was feeling pretty good about myself because the answers were coming to me fairly easily, which is rare. It looked like I was getting along a lot faster, actually, than most, which was a priority for me when I was a kid. When I finished the last question, I had a great sense of pride as I turned to the last page, and the last page had one last instruction. Now, there were some instructions at the beginning of the test which says something like, read through the entire test before answering any of the questions. I didn't want to take the time, of course, to do that, so I just kind of plowed right into the test. The last instruction, though, at the end of the test said this, return to the beginning and answer only the first question of the test. I looked up at Mrs. Miss Kennedy, and she looked back at me with a big smirk on her face. <laughs> and I knew I was toast. I flipped my pencil over and began erasing all the answers to all the questions, and she just shook her head. I was toast. We had taken the test before reading the instruction. We had taken the test before even following the first instruction. Last week I mentioned that I grew up in the age of the Beatles, but I also grew up in the age of Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. I wasn't a Packers fan myself, I was a lowly Lions fan, but playing sports all the way through high school, you could not escape references to Vince Lombardi and his famous quotations, and in particular the quote, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. I can still remember that being shouted in the locker rooms of my youth. Actually, Lombardi borrowed it from a former coach, UCLA coach Red Sanders, and just about everybody else then borrowed it from Vince Lombardi. Winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. The modern creed of sports, supplanting unfortunately the once timeless creeds, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. Or the Olympic creed, the most important thing is not winning, but taking part. Lombardi and thousands of coaches since him would say, don't bother taking the test until you understand the first instruction. Winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. 
Last week, we talked a bit about the Apostle Paul and his letter to the church at Corinth. Paul was the apostle who helped form this community, which stood at the great intersection of one of the great intersections of the Roman Empire. It was a cosmopolitan city, and the, and the church there was this little house church, or perhaps houses of churches, that gathered on a regular basis to live out the life of community. They had received the Spirit. They were doing great things. They were answering all the questions on the test. But there was one problem, they were breaking apart. People were beginning to believe that their handle on the spirit, their individual handle on the spirit was a little bit tighter than other people's handle on the spirit. Their gifts of the spirit were a little bit elevated above other people's gifts of the spirit. And they began to form in groups and they attached themselves to particular leaders and teachers. And they said, well, our leader and teacher is better than your leader and teacher. And we have the spirit more than you have the spirit. And all of a sudden there were Peter's people and Paul's people and Apollos' people. And everyone thought that they were getting the answers right on the test. And that's the preamble to perhaps the most quoted verses written by the Apostle Paul, the great love chapter. Eugene Peterson translates it wonderfully. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith so as to say to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but don't love, I've gotten myself nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I am bankrupt without love. You can take the whole test, Paul says, and get all the answers right, but you haven't, if you haven't followed the first instruction and the last instruction, you have failed. And what you failed at is seeing the essence of the universe. What you failed at is, is seeing the essence of the cosmos, the essence of existence, the very thing that holds you and holds the world together. Because you see, when Paul writes all that he writes about the gospel, he does so out of being overwhelmed by the love of God. Paul looks at Jesus and tells us not much about what Jesus taught, not much about the miracles Jesus performed, but all of what God has done in Jesus in his coming, in his dying, and in his being raised. And what God has done in Jesus is that he has grabbed hold of us and he's promised never to let us go. Never to let us go. Nothing, he writes in Romans, shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And for Paul, this is the essence, not just of the good news, it is the essence of existence itself. The universe is held together by the love of God that will not let that universe go. And in turn will not let us go. Every page of the New Testament echoes this basic truth. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God. 
for God is love. O oh, love, we will sing in a moment. O oh, love that will not let me go. Did you hear that? That God has grabbed hold of you, whether you like it or not, <laughs> whether you know it or not, and will not let you go. And so the first instruction and the last instruction, according to Paul, is to point us to the fact that it doesn't matter what you know, it doesn't matter how much you have, it doesn't matter what wisdom you have, it doesn't matter what awards you've received, the only thing that matters is that you have given yourself the chance to join in the great rhythm of the cosmos. This is the very movement of God holding on to our universe and God would love for you to help in the holding. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends. Did you hear that? <laughs> love never ends. So we've got this incredible news. God has a hold of us and is never letting us go. No exceptions, no small print, no quid pro quo, no bell curve. And so what Paul, in the name of Christ, invites us into is that same kind of love. No exceptions, no small print, no quid pro quo, and that is the very struggle and the adventure of the Christian life. Exceptionless love. Love that says, I will hold on to you even if you won't hold on to me. I will hold on to you even if you don't agree with me. I will hold on to you even if you don't return my love. I will hold on to you even if you drive me crazy because you see, I have this God who's holding on to me when I give him every reason not to, and I will hold on to you, whatever it takes. An old story that comes from India tells of a man who was sitting under an old ancient tree whose giant roots meandered down into a swamp, and while he sat there, he heard a noise where one of the roots entered into the water, and he looked closely and could see that a scorpion had become helplessly entangled in the roots. And he got up from where he was sitting and he balanced himself along the root down to where the scorpion was trapped. And he reached down to try to pull it free, but each time he reached down to grab hold, the scorpion would lash him with his tail, stinging him painfully. But he, he kept trying and each time he'd get lashed with the tail and Finally, his hand swelled so greatly he could not close his fingers, so he withdrew to the shade of the tree to wait there for the swelling to go down. And as he arrived at the base of the tree, he saw a young man up on the road laughing at him. You foolish old man, said the young man, wasting your time trying to help a scorpion that can only do you harm. The old man replied, Simply because it is the nature of the scorpion to sting, should I change my nature, which is to save. 
in this is love, says the writer of 1 John. Not that we, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be stung, to be sacrificed, to take upon himself the sin of the world. Beloved, he continues, if God so loved us, should we not love one another? If God so loved us, should we not love one another? And so, of course, the last thing he thinks to do on his way to the cross is to put out for us this spread, to give us the signs of the universal rhythm, the bread broken and body broken, the cup poured, the blood poured. It is what God does. It is what we do. God is going to love us anyway one way or the other, so why not enjoy it? Kathleen Norris tells the story of a Benedictine sister who is keeping vigil at the bedside of her dying mother. She seeks to comfort her mother by saying, Mom, in heaven, everyone we love is there. But her mother, wiser in spirit, tells her differently, no, my child, she says, in heaven, everyone who is there, finally I will love. We love because God first loved us. It is the first and the last instruction and all else is a creaky, rusty gate.
Friends, the good news is that we have been invited to this feast. And sitting at this feast is the host. And the host has for us a seat at the table, a seat only for us. And the good news is that the host not only has a seat for us, but also has a seat for the one who is for us the most difficult to love. We are all invited to come to the table to receive first the love from the one who yearns and seeks and loves the whole world, the one who sent his son to be at table with us. And we secondly come to this table as we have received this love to then find the way by which we can be the vessel of love for all, even for the one who for us is the most difficult to love. For this person is at table with us. So come, my friends, not because you know how to do all that, not because you have a secret on how best to love, not because you aren't struggling with your own sense of forgiveness for someone in your life, but come because you yearn first to be receiving the love of God and then come because you know how badly you need for God's love to pour through you to one another. This is what we find at this table. So here are the words, the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed our Lord took bread. And looking out among those men who would deny him and betray him, doubt him, he blessed the bread and then broke it. And said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. Remember the love. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Blood shed for the forgiveness of, yes, your sins. When you drink of this, remember me. Remember the love. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again, and he will come again. Let us pray. O love that will not let us go, we are so grateful that we have found this feast we have found the feast of the kingdom, the banquet of the Lamb. We rejoice that not only have we found the feast, but we have found our place at the table. And we rejoice that there is a seat still open for the one whom we have the most difficulty loving, 
And we know, Lord, that you want that person here too. Help us, O oh Lord, to find in you the power to love one another, that we may show the world that this is truly what makes the world come together. And this is truly what holds the world together. Lord, allow us to feel your presence, your loving presence now through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved of God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. <coughs> Let us pray. Holy Father, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Living and dying, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. May we who drink his cup bring life to others. And may we whom the Spirit lights be salt and light to the world. Keep us in this hope that we have, so that we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Amen. 